Welcome back to the JJ Reddick Podcast. Really excited to be back on the air. I apologize for the break between the holidays and a couple guests that we had to reschedule. This was the newest episode that I could do. For everybody's information, this week's guest, Kyrie Irving, and I recorded this podcast at about 1 a.m. local time here in London, right after the Celtics and 76ers game that we just played. Kyrie was gracious enough to give me some time. I just wanted to, first of all, just thank everyone for listening and for the support so far. We've got a great list of guests lined up for the early part of 2018. Seth Myers will be on the podcast soon. Next week's guest is Thierry Henry, who I recorded here in London. We've got Spike Lee on the docket. I'm really excited about all of them. And I would just encourage all of you, if you like the podcast and you listen to the podcast, tell a friend, give it a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app. And obviously, if you're on Twitter, I pretty much only use Twitter for the podcast. So give me your thoughts, anything you would like to hear on the podcast, any inside information or guests that you'd like me to talk to. Without further ado, I just wanted to want to get to this conversation that Kyrie and I just had. It's pretty great. So enjoy. Now, you know what we're talking about. Conspiracy theories. <laughs> oh my goodness. Is the flat earth thing? Is real? that a conspiracy? No, no. Is that a conspiracy or is you that know, just like, a, an opinion? No, when I when I actually said it though, like I had been watching a whole bunch of Instagram videos. Meaning like I had the specific pages on Instagram that were like the truth given to you and videos like this is the flat earth and the horizon and or evens out on only on a flat earth. And I was just like, I didn't do as much research as I had, you know, in order to say something like that, because I was just ready to just blur it out, like, flat earth, man, it's conspiracy theory, they want to get us. And, you know, when you start thinking about it, it's just like, the actual intent behind it was just, like, do your own research, you know what I mean? Like, and that's it, like, a lot of the things that were just told to me, I was just like, oh, okay. When you backed it up and said, like, all right, do your own research, I, I, I like, immediately thought of, like, just questioning authority, you know what I mean? Like, you know, figure out things for yourself a little bit. That's all. But, like... What is on your explore page that you are coming across these videos about flat earth? Do you follow like conspiracy theory pages on IG? Like, but the thing about it, JJ, like I don't even follow, I can't even call them conspiracy <laughs> theories. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because some of the things of just logic and common knowledge are just there. And then they'll actually, like some of the pages that I follow, they'll actually list some of the laws. And some of the things that have transpired throughout history, and they'll just give it to you like as a almost like a history channel, which of other things that aren't like on history channel or just specific detail that I felt like I was missing in life, you know? They'll give you stuff on the government, like geoengineering and chemtrails and everything yeah, yeah. else. And and it's just like it just makes you think. And that was the beautiful thing about it is that it it actually made me think, you know, made me think twice about shit. I feel like once a month. I go on this these weird deep dives on the internet, and they always start with like the top ten conspiracy theories, and then it just takes me down these weird paths. Yeah, um, and you'll, and you'll did like, you have you seen Loose Change? Mm-mm. Okay, that's like a it's like an hour long documentary on uh, on nine eleven. Oh, see, that's what so, I'm saying. Yeah, though, yeah. Like, and it's certainly like thought provoking. I don't necessarily think nine eleven was an inside job, but yeah, there's some things that. You know, I question, but yeah. I question a lot of things. I think that's good to question a lot of things. For sure. I'm going to give you my, the one thing I question in life that's like similar to like flat earth, okay? Mm-hmm. 
and I'm I'm wrong on this. <laughs> I, I know I'm wrong on this, but I'm not entirely convinced that dinosaurs existed. <laughs> I'm not. <coughs> so I've come across some weird websites in my Google searches. Yeah. For example, the word dinosaur, it didn't exist till like 1842. There was no word for dinosaur, mm-hmm. okay? And then all of a sudden, in the next 15 to 20 years, after this British scientist comes up with this word dinosaur and describes it in a medical journal, people start finding fossils. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, humans, like Homo sapiens, right? We've been here since like 10,000 BC. We've been roaming the earth. We've had multiple empires all over the world, North America, Central America, Mm -hmm. Asia, Europe, Africa, whatever. And in all that time, we didn't find any fossils till 150 years ago. It makes you think. Yeah. Right? You know, for sure. I'm with you on that. Like people think it's like an idea. And when you actually follow that idea and back it up with research of your own, (laughs) then you're like, you almost like are convincing yourself. Like, this didn't happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've almost convinced myself. No, I'm, I'm no, so but close. I'm, saying, no, but it, I'm so close. But it's just, you get to that point. And then the flip side of it is the separation that is created from you to other people who think different things. Like, when scientists, and then they'll come out. You, JJ, you probably say something, and then, like, everyone will just, like, tirade you and just, like, yeah. how could JJ not believe that dinosaurs are real or existed? <laughs> And then automatically you're put in like this other society, like JJ's a I'm conspiracy an theorist. Like an he's an out, like you think this, you think this, no. And and that was like the biggest thing for me. I was just you like, took a lot of heat. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about the dinosaur thing that just I got to do a little more research on this little fact. But I went to the Natural History Museum this summer with my my three year old son, and he like we would love the dinosaur exhibit. Like it was awesome. And like, for some reason, like I left there and I remember reading or someone telling me there that there's never actually been a complete dinosaur, no. dinosaur fossil no, found. No, like 80% so or 70%. They're is, recreating yeah. all of So how what do they know like? what it would look like? That's what I'm saying. Yes. It's just a shot in the dark. <laughs> hey, I don't know. And, and that's the thing about it is that I don't, we don't know. Do you have any other conspiracy <laughs> theories? That you oh, man, I, you're probably a little more tight-lipped about this now, huh? No, I'm not tight-lipped about it. It's just that, for me, it's, it's a lonely road sometimes. But it's always given with support from the people that I actually try to get this knowledge from and converse with. So I, I don't just limit myself to being in the circle of, like, this is what you believe in flat earth, and this is what you believe dinosaur exists. Like, I'll actually go and try to do the research on the scientific side. Right. And figure that out and just do comparisons. That's it. it I wasn't trying to convince everybody the world is flat. (laughs) And that's what everyone took it as, which is fine. And whatever. Is it it curiosity? Is it curiosity? Is that what's driving it? Is that what I'm saying? Is that what's driving it? Like, is that just like, uh, I just want to know something about something? I want to know more about something? I just want it to be just done with. Like, just give me the truth. And then, (laughs) like, on a lot of these things, yeah. And we could just be done with it. Like humans could just move on and there wouldn't be a like a conspiracy <laughs> behind it. Like, you know what I mean? Like just different things. And I know you saw like loose change, but it's just yeah. some of the things that happened before that crazy attack. Like it, it just was, you know what I mean? You think I, back on history and I'm just like, man, and they've gotten it to the point and they are, and of course people are like, who's they? But like, you know, like, everyone <laughs> who is, is they? <laughs> like everyone that basically is controlled us. Like, so. Uh, I'm going to move on yeah, to yeah, a different please. topic. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, I did read this article this morning in time 
about why people believe in conspiracy theories. Part of it is just like control, like things are out of their control. So they want to like, especially like with political conspiracy theories, like the losing side mm-hmm. will look for sort of a a reason why they lost. There's got to, we didn't lose fair and square. There's got to no. be a reason. And you could, I, I'm fairly liberal and I, yeah. I didn't vote for Trump, but like there's an argument to be made that that's what the Democrats are doing now with this Russian collusion thing, of course. But there was collusion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Man, I, for and, sure. and you know, it's the, for me, you know, it's, you know, it's the difference between all that is that they always say like the truth is in plain sight purposely though. Did you have you seen the new Taco Bell commercial? Yeah, they're taunting us. You, you know the what I mean? Illuminati like they're taunting us. <laughs> like, and the thing about it is that people are taught and controlled to be afraid of that, like not knowing right. what the all-seeing eye actually means and where it comes from historically. But yet, it's given to people to be scared of. And who knows? You know, I don't want to dive deep into it, <laughs> but it's just you know, it's part of my life. I, I I've been seeing all-seeing eye for about six months now. Like all the time now, people have naturally just been afraid of it. They don't know what it means. What does it mean? Well, man, it. <laughs> oh man, it. it We're, like, we've it, already started down this. Yeah, road. no, we all we already have. And for me, spiritual alchemy is something that I'm huge in. I don't even want to say huge in it's something that I'm just so much more aware of. And you know, the seven chakras. They said we have eight, and your third eye being in the middle of your forehead and awakening that. And I felt like ever since. I took meditation to another level and figuring out the research behind that and figuring out how knowledgeable I can become and being just enriched in that and enriched in my soul rather than realizing that this physical realm that I live in and I exist in is the only thing that's available to me, you know, and it connected me more to Nikola Tesla. And then I started taking, you know, just specific individuals throughout history that have been telling us things that just either they perished before their time or they were supposedly taken out or something that they said that was just so thought provoking that it just, they went from a genius to being a crazy person. And then like society just exes them. Like, no, we don't want to believe anything you say anymore. And you're a crazy man. Like you, did you see what Jim Carrey did? Like Jim Carrey came out of nowhere. It was just like, (laughs) I was in solitude and you know, (laughs) this is, I'm just, I'm it now, you know, like, okay, Jim, like, but you know, the people were like, yo, what's going on with Jim Carrey? And then, (laughs) I'm just saying though like he came out of nowhere with it and it made sense though but for everyone else they were like who like I'm not Jim don't you think part of it though is like when people just like they feel uncomfortable and they're like all right we need to get this guy out of here Mm -hmm. like let's stop interviewing him yeah please he's crazy yeah he was like I get labeled when he was on that red carpet I don't know if you saw that interview he's like I want to come to the most meaningless thing ever (laughs) ever and just come like I just wanted to be here and just show you how meaningless it is (laughs) like you know what I mean and he gets on the red carpet and then you have to compare that with someone who's there to get their first award and yet they've been introduced to this industry have no idea about the ins and outs and you have Jim Carrey like a seasoned vet in this industry knows the ins and outs can't necessarily speak on all the truths behind it but knows exactly how to succeed in it and it's just like that's the difference that's the comparison you know I don't even know where to go from here um <laughs> so we're in London we'll right we'll we're in London right now <laughs> just got done playing you guys my first observation from the game actually it started this morning at shoot around you guys did not do shoot around right no okay so this morning we came out for shoot around and the one rim was was so fucking crooked. Which one? The one you guys shot at in the first half and the one oh. we shot at in the second half. Would you agree with me? I would agree a little bit. Okay. A little bit. I was like adamant this morning that we had to figure out a way wherever the bench was, like <laughs> that we would shoot at that. 
in the in the, in the first half, so we could have the good rim in the second half. And yeah, I guess because you guys were the bench team, you got to choose. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little asterisk. <laughs> A little we do asterisk. Play you guys in a week, though. We do yeah, play we'll you find guys out. Yeah, yet. we'll find out. I'll put a little asterisk. The rims won't be crooked. <laughs> how, how has this experience been? You, you've obviously you played here in the Olympics. You've been overseas to play both the World Championships. Have you done it with the NBA before? Or is this your first time? Did you do it with the Caps? Of what? Like playing in the global games, preseason, uh, anything? Preseason, we played um, in Brazil, but I didn't play though. It was, okay. it was preseason though. Did you have any free time at all? Because no. I had none. 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 I expected that. Though. Yeah. I expected no free time. I don't have a multi-million dollar Nike deal, <laughs> so I'm not required to do appearances for them. So I can't imagine what was on your docket the last three days. <laughs> I had I had a, a commercial shoot, a yeah. like quick one, and then I did like a media event at the um, London Festival Hall where the London Philharmonic plays. So I did a couple interviews on there, and it was, it was man, it was ridiculous. That hall is like... Woo, some history has happened in there, man. And I love music so much, so it was like being in there, it was pretty legendary. The only thing we got to do was last night we did a little team event at Kensington Palace, which I have not taken the deep dive yet, so I don't know a ton about it. <laughs> but I Palace? do know that, that George III, the king, lived there when we took America from him, when we said America's ours. Like oh. The Revolutionary War. Okay. That's like the king was living in this palace. Okay. And I guess Princess Diana was there too. So that's it's about the only London that I got to, got big to experience ben. the last three days. I didn't. We didn't do it. The big Ferris wheel. That's all in, in all the movies. That's always cool. I didn't get to see it. Yeah, I, I saw it driving from a bus. By. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I saw it driving by. That was that was the greatest uh, thing ever. <laughs> so y- you and I, uh, I, we've known each other for for a while because of uh, our our connection at Duke. Although we had a very different experience at Duke. Very uh, different. I was there four years. You played eleven games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eleven. <laughs> uh, but yeah. but a lot of pe- a lot of people don't know this, and I'm not sure if we're going to get in trouble for talking about this. But we are linked by a common thing at Duke, and that you and I are both members of the Last Standing Secret Society at Duke. Yep, we both are. Who? Let me ask you a question. Who is your favorite <laughs> Laker of all time? That right there is one of the easiest questions ever. You know, it's just so simple. There are so many great Lakers, but there's one specific one that just. <laughs> It's the bite, like the wine in that cup. Kurt Rambis? No, no. That's a good one, though. That's a good one, though. But, uh, man, something about number 42. Number four, James Worthy? James Worthy, man. Yeah. Just gives me just a mm, bite of the nose every time. We can't really talk about this, mm-hmm. but I will just say to you, um, s- speak to no one. No one at all? No one. <laughs> <laughs> did all right so i went to i went to a practice i went to a practice like right before you got there i think it was like when g was there when gerald henderson was there mm-hmm. this is probably like 2010 2009 or 2010 yeah it was 2009 for all-star break i went with my wife because i wanted to show her duke and um i couldn't believe how soft he was in practice coach coach yeah and i i feel like oh i feel like the usa experience mellowed him out so much yeah to the point now where i've heard that they don't even like they don't even really practice they just do like they do basically do nba practices yeah skill work Mm -hmm. weight room do your stretches that sort of thing what was your experience with him at duke not with yeah yeah, no no but i had the but the thing about it yeah yeah but it was it was a learning experience still though with coach because he was 
trying to give me freedom while still having Nolan and Kyle be the like the senior leaders, which they were. But when I came in, it was like, you know, I hate to like refer to myself as this, but it was like a highly touted high school, you know, phenom sort of say. And, you know, I was top in the country and there was like talks about coach wasn't getting like the top recruits in the country. And he went after John the year before trying and then Kentucky came in and had Kentucky, Texas A&M and Duke on my list. And it was an easy choice to go to Duke, but coach was like, you know, he was on me, but then he gave me like a sense of freedom. So he'd be like, Kyrie, you got to do this, this, this. And, you know, he would say it with conviction. And other times he would put his arm around me and be like, okay, you know, I understand you're a freshman, but these are things you have to do and learn and get better. And it was just in the beginning when he got back from USA that year, he ran the shit out of us, like ran us to, to the ground. I was so out of shape. Coach Will had me on the freaking muscle milk. I was 20 pounds overweight. Like, <laughs> you're on the muscle milk freshman, diet. Freshman 15. Yeah. You know, and obviously, Shooters was involved as well. So, so it's always a great For thing. For the listeners out there, Shooters is a, it's a, it's a local bar. I would describe it as a local bar in Durham. Uh, it's a country western bar. Yep. And it's frequented. But if you tip the DJ. If you, it's frequented by uh, both locals. <laughs> On Friday. <laughs> On interesting set of locals <laughs> and, and Duke undergrads. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach ran me and, uh, you know, he was pretty chill. He was pretty chill. And then, like, once I got hurt, then I kind of had to sit on I feel on the like side. he fought the one and done thing, though. Like, a little bit. Because, like, when yeah. I was there, we had Lou, and he wanted Lou to come back. And Lou obviously left. I think he was, like, you know, top five pick or whatever mm-hmm. he was. And then it was like, okay, we're going to do, like, a Kyrie every year. Or we're yeah. going to do ah, Jabari every mm-hmm. year. And then after 15, like that was supposed to be just like maybe one of those guys leave. And Ja left, Tyus left, Justice left. Yeah. And then since then, I feel like it's just like we just get all one and done guys. Yeah. I mean, Top in the country, though. We have a great recruiting class every year. Yeah. But that's why I think you see this inconsistency that like. Oh, yeah. I mean, for pe- sure. Who do we lose? We lost somebody the other day. NC State? Right. Yeah. yeah. At okay. home and they rushed the court. I yeah. So I can't remember. I was, I was somewhere the next day and, and everyone, you know how it is. If yeah, Duke loses, like everyone just talks shit to you. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves to talk shit like that. <laughs> like, oh, I saw your boys lost last night. It's just, bro, is your school even, <laughs> where's your school at? Like, come on, man, give it a break. So that process is something that's developed over time and coaches adapted as best he can while trying to maximize their potential in the time that they're there. It's a crazy window in college basketball now. Coach's greatest strength is adaptability. Oh, for sure. On the fly, though. He he figures it out every year. So I have this, like, I have this theory about, like, NBA players, like, good NBA players. I'm not talking, like, marginal, like, fringe guys, but, like, good NBA players, like, like, we all kind of have, like, superpowers, you know? I think that, like, NBA Live or 2K had that one year where you had, like, a token next to your yeah. your icon or whatever whenever you And that was, court. like, a specific thing. Like, a specific like skill fly. Yeah, 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 I remember that. You could make an argument that I have, like, one superpower, and that would be, like, shooting, right? <laughs> like, that would be it, baby. You could make that argument. Yeah. I'm not saying it's true. Stamina, too. That, okay. Thank you, man. No, <laughs> My man. I didn't want to give myself credit Stamina for two. two. But like you, I, I, I actually like you run all the time. Yeah, thanks. It's a lot all of, the time. It's though. a lot of work. You work on it though. <laughs> I do, man. Yeah, you work on it. You take it very serious. I do. <laughs> yeah. But like you, you're, you're. I'm jealous of you because you have like multiple. You have multiple superpowers, 
And I was For thinking sure. about this the other day about another player. And then I was trying to figure out like, all right, who has three? Like which guys in the league have three? And you have three. You're a motherfucker shooting the ball. You're, I think, and most people think, and you'll probably say the same thing, you're the best finisher for like an under the rim guard player mm. in the league, maybe ever. I appreciate it. And and then your handle, like your your dribbling skills. Mm-hmm. And so somebody asked me the other day, I said, if you could take one superpower from any player, what would it be? And I said, Kyrie's handle. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> because because you have that superpower, Tommy and I were talking about earlier, like because you have that superpower, you're never not in control. Because in the back of your mind, whether it's in the forefront or in the back of your mind, you know you can bring that out at any time and get wherever you want to go. Yeah. What does that feel like? <laughs> <laughs> you know, while I, when I was younger, I always believed that there was a sense of completeness that I wanted to have on the basketball floor. And I always wanted to be in my dad's house, 6'4". I always wanted to like, I was like, dad, if I grow to 6'4", like I'll be unstoppable. Like, uh, you know, and what that did was it enabled me to find a happy medium between a two guard and a one. Because my dad was a two, but my uncle Rod was a one, and some of my favorite players were ones. And then I also had Kobe, who was my favorite player. So I had a happy medium of like, I have to be able to shoot. I have to be able to handle. And then I, I have to be able to have a sense of just randomness, like of being in control, but seeming out of control to be able to kind of succeed past some of my opponents. I had to be unpredictable. I wasn't the quickest. I wasn't the most athletic. Wasn't able to kind of finish over the rim. So I had to figure out things, how to get around the floor while still being effective in small spaces, as well as seeing the court from a wide perspective. So my handle, I everyone always said, what did you do for your handle? I didn't sit there with two balls. I didn't sit there with like tennis balls, throw them in the air and throw them all. I didn't do the whole reactionary testing. All I did was I took specific moves and I added combination after combination after combination to be prepared for any situation that I was going to be thrown in. So if I was going against, like Ben was going against me tonight, and I have long, lengthy defenders, I'll get some 6'6 six, six and above guys that guard me. And then, you know, so for that, I had to use my hand to create space. Then I'll get some smaller guys that'll get and try to get underneath me, like TJ, who like will pick me up full court. And he picked me up full court tonight. And I was just like, Come on, man. Like I'm zooming past and and I'm like, I'm giving you a change of speed and then I'm I'm gonna kind of keep you off balance. So I felt like I just need to have that completeness and having a tight handle. Yeah. So I guess the thing is though, like you work on those combos. It's sort of like martial arts, like counter oh, yeah. after counter after counter. But like I do that shit too in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of players do that. Yeah. So I'm like, what is the next thing? Because like Undefeated uh, did an article, Mark Spears did an article about you and your handle and like your work with, I think it's Phil Handy, right? Yeah. Before every game, like mm-hmm. you do it, obviously. But like you've had this handle since you were in high school, I assume, yeah. right? That's what you've been known for. So like, is it the mind-body connection? I think you're super low, like with your dribble. You're lower oh, yeah. than most. Like even like, I think about CP, Steph, Jamal. I'm I'm going to miss somebody that's, that's also like has a great handle. But like those guys... The ball's on a string, but it's it's a higher string. Their mm-hmm. yo-yo is less compact. Yeah. And that right there is still tough to guard. But when I was introduced to Phil, now it was having the transition from being a great handler and being able to finish to being a great handler and being able to shoot finish pass. And that was like the evolution of me being with Coach Handy. I call him my OG. He was helping me 
tighten up my game to be able to be effective all the time rather than just having a crossover that looked really pretty but not being able to cross over in this one particular move and not be able to shoot, dribble, or pass. So I was working on combinations when I was a kid, but I, I felt like my package was just, yeah, it was a lot slimmer. And then when I started working with Coach Handy, it grew and grew because now I was able to work on the combinations and now get a shot off and now be able to pass and now be able to continue my dribble. So it was like we were consistently working on it. And Al was there. My best friend was there when we worked out in Australia. And the first couple of things that we were doing, I was like, what the hell are we doing? Like it was like between, between, behind, behind shot. When I worked out, it was between, between, okay, now you get to your jump shot. He was now it was like between, between, behind, behind, in and out, in and out. <laughs> Layup, and, and I'm just like, okay, again. And then I was over there, like, on my knees, like, you want me to do all these moves? And, he's, and we just built consistency over time. And then it got to the point where I felt so comfortable. Now we worked from in to out, being able to do it from mid range and do it from long range. So being able to shoot off the dribble and keep people out of balance. Oh, by the way, you have to have, and Melo always says, this, you got to be able to have the newts, like the newts. You got to have the newts to, to do it. That was my next question. Yeah, you got like, but. I grew up around. Okay. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. there's one thing, like, I feel like if when I really concentrate in the summer on my handle, like, I get a good two weeks in, right? You know, I'll be doing my one on one moves, and I'll be like, yeah, 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 step back through it. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, my God, it feels so easy. And then I, like, I get to, like, a pickup game, and I'm like, I ain't doing that shit. You know what I mean? I'm not doing it. So part of it is, right, to have the 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 guts yeah. to go out there and put these dribble combinations. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I got a long but but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know the 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 great actually hold on let me just I'll interrupt you for a second because it actually makes me it makes me so happy it makes me so happy to hear you say that like you actually worked on your handle because Jamal used to say I've never I've never done a dribbling <laughs> drill in my life you know and I'm just like wow yeah. that's so discouraging for me that's so discouraging. <laughs> Oh man, um, yeah, but that see stuff like that though, you know. Sometimes okay, so, that comes natural though. So the it. the finishing though, like yeah. you and I can talk shooting, but like nobody cares. The finishing, <laughs> the finishing is the other superpower. Someone told me that whether it was your dad, maybe it was Phil, yeah. but like you would work on basically the shots we see: the left-handed like lean-ins off glass, the going up on the right side, finishing on the other side with the left. Um, you had one against us. I think it was in at home at underneath the, with the right. Yeah. Yeah. On a back cut mm-hmm. where you started on the right side, you brought it, underneath. never actually touched the ball with your left hand. You brought it to the other side of your face with your right hand and spun it backwards off yeah. the glass. First of all, where was the development in that part of your game? And then secondly, like I know you still are tightening up your handle. So you still work on that actively. You're still working on your shooting, obviously, actively. Mm-hmm. You're still doing that every day. Yeah. You're, you're working on your finishes, your floaters, all that. Yeah. My dad came home one day. I was in eighth grade, and he was still in like his dress clothes, coming from work. And it was like this random day where, I mean, I still remember like yesterday. He came outside, and he was like, "Kyle, I want to show you some things." And he was still in his slacks and <laughs> you know his dress shoes. And I'm like, "Okay, Dad." You know, he saw I was working on my game, and I'll, I'll tell you about that by the way too uh, in the foreshadowing. But my dad freaking never thought I was working on my game. He thought he would come home and I would run outside. Like when he came home, I was like, Dad, how selfish of you to think that I cared enough about you coming home to see me work out. <laughs> and then like, fucking selfish of you to think that I cared about your judgment that much about me working on my game. But 
he came home and he was like, okay, Kyle, I want to show you some things. And he showed me this first layup and it was like, all right, go up, show it with your left, bring it down, scoop it. I was like, that can you show me? And he's in his slacks. He was like, go up with your left, bring it down and then finish with your right. And then go up with your right and finish with your left. And at the time- How old are you at this time? I was in eighth grade. Eighth grade, okay. I was in eighth grade. And at the time, I wasn't athletic enough to have hang time to execute the move the way I wanted to. So he told me, he was like, hi, when you get a little bit older, hang time develops a little, you become more athletic, a little bit taller, then this move will be effective. And from that point on, it was like I would be in my backyard, I would lower the rim, you know, and and I would, other than trying to dunk on my friends and play 21 or whatever, I would work on this show with the left, show with the right. And then I started working on going underneath the basket like Dr. J. Like when Dr. J took it and went underneath, and I was like, damn, I can't really grip the ball like him. So let me actually cup it and then work on it. And then let me be able to do it left. And then I started working on like, let me throw these high floaters up like that people won't expect off leg. And then I saw Steve Nash work out and I was like, oh, Steve Nash is doing off leg. And I was like, damn, if, if a big's behind me and I could get it up there. If I was like, if Steve Nash could do it, I'm like, I could do it too. And then I started working on Euros and then doing it. And then I started working on like being able to do it off pivots and off moves. And then it just started developing to a package. And then I just started curating that, culturing that. All right, we have more with Kyrie, but first a word from today's sponsors. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last minute deal to see your favorite NBA team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek the other day to buy tickets to a Judah and the Lion concert in Philadelphia. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. That's promo code JJ for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat right now, right from your phone. You've heard me talk of the amazing shave I get from my Dollar Shave Club razor, especially when I use it with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter. Well, I'm here to tell you I'm never giving up my membership. In fact, I'm adding even more DSC products to my daily routine. Dollar Shave Club makes products for your hair, face, skin, shower, everything you need. They have me looking and feeling amazing. And it's all their own original stuff. They use only the finest premium ingredients and they deliver it to you just like they do their razors. 
That means no more annoying trips to the store, cruising up and down aisles, looking at shelf upon shelf of what the hell is that and what do I do with it? I use Dollar Shave Club for just about everything. They've got me covered head to toe and with gift memberships and e-gift cards available, DSC can help cover the names on your holiday shopping list too. I want you to love Dollar Shave Club as much as I do, so I've arranged for you to try your first month of their best razor along with travel size versions of shave butter, body cleanser, and yes, even butt wipes for just $5. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. It's the DSC starter set. By the way, butt wipes, what a great invention. Get yours for just $5 exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash reddick. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash R-E-D-I-C-K. And now back to Kyrie Irving. Do you visualize visualization? And you say meditation. I don't know what you meditate.